A closer look at the trolley to airport connection. That story soon, but first let's do those local headlines. So it's confirmation of just how contagious this new variant of COVID-19 really is. The CDC announced yesterday that Omicron now accounts for the majority of new cases in the U.S. And of course, we're seeing it here in San Diego. The scientists at UC San Diego, who've been monitoring COVID virus in our wastewater, announced over the weekend that they had found a, quote, unprecedented spike in COVID-19 and say their testing shows it is a mix of the Delta and Omicron variants with Delta still dominant locally. But because the Omicron variant spreads faster, they expect this to change soon. A judge ruled against the San Diego Unified School District on Monday in a lawsuit challenging its vaccine mandate for students. San Diego Superior Court Judge John Meyer said the district's mandate, which does not permit religious or personal belief exemptions, contradicts state law. The judge said only the state legislature has the authority to implement such mandates without exemptions. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service on Monday declared one of Southern California's rarest butterflies, the Hermes copper butterfly, as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Act. The small, bright yellow-orange spotted Hermes copper is found only in San Diego County and northwestern Baja California in Mexico. The agency has designated 35,000 acres in San Diego County as protected critical habitat to help protect those butterflies. The protected habitat is in three areas, Lopez Canyon, which includes land within Las Penasquitas Canyon Preserve, parts of the Miramar and Santee region, and also parts of southern San Diego. I'm Kinsey Moreland, in for Annika Colbert, and from KPBS, you are listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. You've been thinking about helping KPBS with a donation. Why not donate that extra car you no longer need? Pickup is free, and you're supporting KPBS Public Media. Here's how. Visit kpbs.careasy.org. So as we reported on Friday, San Diego's Metropolitan Transit System has released a feasibility study examining connecting the trolley to the San Diego International Airport which makes so much logical sense, right? Like, wouldn't it be nice not to have to deal with parking downtown and instead just hopping on the trolley when you are ready to travel? I would love it. Anyway, the study found, quote, no fatal flaws in the concept. And in normal human speak, that means the new trolley connection could actually be built within the next decade. The MTS Board of Directors received the report last week and voted to include the project on its list of capital improvements to plan for. Colin Perrin, executive director of the nonprofit Circulate San Diego, joined KPBS Midday Edition's fill-in host Andrew Bowen to discuss the study's findings. It seems like connecting the trolley to the airport has been on San Diego's to-do list for a really long time. So what new information is in this feasibility study that we didn't know before? 
Yeah, so I think there's really two things, Andrew, for this. One is that the feasibility study really fundamentally just shows that there is no technical reason why we can't make this connection with a trolley. So there's no, there's no fatal flaw in the idea. But I think perhaps more importantly is not the, the study itself, but the action by the MTS board last week that said, not only are we going to accept this study, but we're actually going to make it a project in our capital improvement program and make it a priority for the agency to complete. MTS already has a bus line that goes to the airport. I've used it myself. Uh, it's not great, but it could be made a lot better if maybe it had its own bus lane and didn't have to mix with the regular traffic, all the cars going to the airport. What is better about an actual rail line to the airport as opposed to a much cheaper option of just improving the bus connection? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, the, the bus connection is really great, that 992. Um, and, and MTS and the airport authority actually just started a, a new bus connection for, um, for commuters coming in from the Old Town Station. So I think it's important to understand that you know, there's probably, there really needs to be multiple ways to use transit to access the airport. Uh, trolley the airport's a great one, but we also should be investing, continuing to invest in those kinds of surface street uh, improvements. And so, yeah, absolutely, there should be some bus-only facilities um, uh, for the airport um, to make those those lines uh, work even better. But I think the, the 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 other advantages around rail and a rail connection is that even in a best case scenario, a bus does mean that people are going to have to lug um, you know, luggage up some stairs and, and that kind of thing. And a, and a rail connection uh, is oftentimes easier to do that kind of stuff. And so that's that's a big, uh, big reason to make that improvement. But then the other thing is that uh, a rail connection just it, it just is more appealing to more people. And there's I think there's really something valuable in, in designing our transit system that has a real sort of broad appeal. And so we shouldn't shy away from making improvements that, that really do excite people. Let's talk about the options here. MTS is talking about three of them in the study. One is an elevated track along Laurel Street, and two options would go underground. So which one does MTS prefer and why? Yeah, so right now it looks like MTS has a preference to do one of those undergrounding options, one that has a, just a, a single connection from uh, south of the airport, going uh, under some other tracks and and on on toward the airport uh, along Harbor Drive, uh, but you know there there is uh, there's going to be a lot more uh, technical and engineering work that's going to have to go in to um, to doing a project like this, and so I think it's it's not it's not decided exactly the routing or exactly the mechanism. So I think it's still very much on the table whether or not it's going to be underground or or above grade. And, and really, I think right now, still a variety of options are on the table. And that was Colin Parent. He's the executive director of the nonprofit Circulate San Diego. He's also a member of the La Mesa City Council. And Colin was talking with KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. To hear that full interview, by the way, you can find and follow the KPBS Midday Edition podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. With coronavirus cases surging nationwide, locals are hitting COVID testing sites ahead of their holiday travels. KPBS reporter Alexandra Rangel has more from the South Bay. Just stick up a swab up your nose, circle it seven times. Free. 
And with no appointment necessary, Chula Vista's COVID testing site at City Hall was busy Monday with many looking to get tested ahead of the holiday gatherings. Christian Martinez says his test results won't be ready until three to four days, which he says is the longest he's had to wait thus far. With everyone getting together with their families, I needed to make sure that I'm good. County-operated COVID testing and vaccination sites will be closed Friday and Saturday for the holiday and will resume on Sunday. California researchers say a faster-than-expected melt of a major glacier in western Antarctica could impact local sea levels here. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details. There is disturbing news from a vast collection of ice on the western portion of Antarctica. Satellites have found evidence that warm ocean waters under the ice Twaits Glacier faster than expected. Scripps Institution of Oceanography researcher Helen Fricker says if huge chunks of the ice break off into the sea, it could have huge implications for San Diego. The sea level rise that we're getting from that part of Antarctica, it's not immediate, but we will see it um, here, you know, offshore in San Diego. And, you know, any any large changes in Antarctica, we will eventually notice here. The Thwaites Glacier sits in a catchment basin about the size of Nevada. And if it melts, it could raise global sea levels several feet in a matter of a few years. Researchers are surprised by the speed of the melt. And more on the environmental beat for you. California has filed a new lawsuit against Walmart. The suit accuses the giant retailer of breaking environmental laws and dumping hazardous waste into state landfills. Cap Radio's Steve Milne reports from Sacramento. State Attorney General Rob Bonta says Walmart is discarding toxic substances throughout the state at landfills that aren't equipped or authorized to get that kind of waste. We're not talking about a few batteries and a can of insect killer here. Walmart's own audits found that the company is illegally disposing of hazardous waste in California at a rate of more than one million items each year. A dozen other county DAs joined in the lawsuit against the retailer. Meredith Williams has the state's Department of Toxic Substances Control. Despite repeated enforcement actions against Walmart over the past two decades, it consistently and knowingly fails to comply with California's hazardous waste laws and environmental protection laws. Walmart says, quote, the state is demanding a level of compliance from our stores that goes beyond what is required by law. Okay, remember that protest I mentioned yesterday in the podcast? Well, it indeed happened. Folks critical of San Diego's homeless enforcement policies spent Monday morning caroling outside of City Hall. But as KPBS reporter Gustavo Salas says, these were not the typical carols. On the first day I was homeless, the city gave to me a parking ticket on my RV. This depressing version of a festive classic is meant to bring awareness to the plight of homeless San Diegans. The three French hens have been replaced with three locked bathrooms. And the five golden rings, well, now they're... Five days in jail. To Valerie Grishy, the song hits too close to home. I couldn't make it all the way through without choking up. Grishy and the other carolers say Mayor Todd Gloria must take responsibility for the city's poor approach to homelessness. 
As a candidate in 2020, Gloria called to end criminalization. But that hasn't happened. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Coming up, last-minute gift ideas from local indie booksellers. We've got that for you after a very quick break. Hey, hey, hey. This is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. Okay, so the holidays are officially in full swing. We're like down to the last few days. Christmas is officially upon us. And it can be super hard to get those last perfect gifts for the people still left on your list. But you know what makes a solid go-to gift? Books, especially books bought at a local bookstore. I mean, who doesn't like getting a book? Am I right? KBBS Midday Edition's Maureen Cavanaugh caught up with a few local independent bookstores for some last-minute ideas for you. First up, we hear from Seth Marco. He is the co-owner of the Book Catapult in South Park. You know, a couple of my favorite books for the year have been um, Anthony Doerr's Cloud Cuckoo Land, which has become a huge bestseller. It's his follow-up to his Pulitzer Prize winner, All the Light We Cannot See. Cloud Cuckoo Land has a weird title, but it's um, <laughs> it's just a great story about, you know, it's kind of the preservation of, of story. You know, it's about libraries and their importance in society. He has sort of a, a way of telling a story that, connects all these different characters together through over time. I mean, I mean, this one is, you know, some of it is set in the siege of Constantinople in the 1400s. And then there's a contemporary storyline. And then there's another story that's, you know, far in the future. And they all connect together um, where he's kind of shows the, you know, the, the thin threads that connect people. One of my other favorite books this year, also fiction, is by Lauren Groff called Matrix, which is not gotten quite the attention that I, I thought it would. I mean, she's pretty well known. She's, a I think, a two-time National Book Award finalist now for her last couple of books. And this is historical fiction set in the 12th century. And it's about this woman who is in Eleanor of Aquitaine's court and is, you know, sort of rejected by the court and sent to live in a nunnery in the English countryside where she becomes the abbess of this nunnery and, and turns it into this sort of feminist utopia. It's a really, really well-told story, just beautiful language, but just such a compelling character. Really surprised me. It's been one of my favorite, favorite books to talk about this year, for sure. That's just a couple that, that I've really liked. There's, there's many more. <laughs> that was Seth Marco, co-owner of the book Catapult, which is located at 3010B Juniper Street in South Park. His picks again were Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr, and The Matrix by Lauren Groff. 
Next, we move to Mysterious Galaxy, where store manager Kelly Orazi has a few of her picks from the sci-fi fantasy genre. So one of my favorite middle grade books to come out this year, it just was published a couple months ago, is The Last Quintista by Donna Barbara Hiera. It is a beautiful, thought-provoking science fiction novel where the main character is one of the lucky few humans who's chosen to embark on humanity's last spaceship before the comet destroys Earth. Um, So she and a select few are put into stasis. They're meant to wake up 400 years in the future en route to a brand new planet and carry on the human race. But when the main character wakes up, uh, she's the only one who has memories of Earth at all. Uh, and she longs to share and protect the stories of Earth. So this it's a great mystery, um, what's happening and who's really behind all of the missing memories, while also a ca- captivating insight to this main character who just wants to share the history of Earth through storytelling. It's pulse-raising science fiction, but it's also a heart-wrenching testament to the power of storytelling, and I just adore this book. The next book that I want to recommend is Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. It's one of my favorite books of the year. I love T.J. Klune. He wrote The House in the Cerulean Sea last year, and it was my one of my favorite, favorite books. It got me through the pandemic. And Under the Whispering Door is about a man who dies and goes to a sort of in-between afterlife. It's not heaven, it's not hell. And the person who's waiting for him is sort of a ferryman who guides souls onto the ultimate afterlife. And it's their story of getting to know one another and actually falling in love, which is quite beautiful. And it's a story that makes you think, it's a story that makes you laugh, and you just can't help but root for everybody involved. I adore this book. Another book is called Legendborn by Tracy Dion. Uh, It has magic, demons, and a centuries-old secret society founded by King Arthur. It has themes of and questions about family and country and trauma and duty. And it, of course, has plenty of love and plenty of magic. That was Kelly Orazi of Mysterious Galaxy Books, located at 3555 Rosecrans Street in San Diego. Kelly's picks again were The Last Quintista by Donna Barriguera. Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Clune, and Legendborn by Tracy Dion. I have so many books, you're going to tell me to probably stop. <laughs> That's bookseller Marianne Reiner of La Playa Books in Point Loma. Here are her picks. I have uh, The Sentence by Louis Erdrich, and this one is a really great book because it takes place actually in a small indie bookstore in Minneapolis. And the bookstore is haunted by Flora, one of its most annoying customers who died and won't leave the store. And Tuki, the bookseller, must solve the mystery of this haunting. And the book takes place during the month of November 2019 and November 2020. So it's also obviously a really high pressure time in the Minneapolis area and Tuki must also come to terms with a year of grief and isolation and reckoning in her city. Another one I really loved and we have also in the store is called Oh Beautiful by Jung Yoon. It's the story of Eleanor Henson, a former model who's 
about 40 and she's struggling to reinvent herself as a freelance writer. And that is until she's sent for an assignment to the back end region of North Dakota, where the oil boom is drastically changing the landscape and the people who live there. And Eleanor is sent there for a lot of reasons, but also because she grew up in that region as uh, the child of a a mixed couple. Her father was American and her mother was Korean. And this story is bringing her back and she discovers a lot more than the story she has to write for her magazine article. I'm putting it on my list for everyone I know and love. Last but not least, I have a favorite current picture book for children called Dream Street. And this is by Trisha Ellen Walker and Ikua Holmes. And this is a beautiful story where we're presented with a lot of people who live on that street and their stories and how they interact with each other. And the illustrations are absolutely stunning. I highly encourage everyone to go look for this book because it's one of those books that you want to keep. La Playa Books is located at 1026 Rosecrans Street in Point Loma. Marianne's picks again were The Sentence by Louise Erdich, Oh Beautiful by Jung Yoon, and the picture book Dream Street by Trisha Ellen Walker, illustrated by Aqua Holmes. If you missed any of these book picks, you can find them on our website at kpbs.org. And that was my girl Maureen Cavanaugh with Midday Edition talking with a few of the fine folks who own bookstores here in San Diego. All right, that is all for today's show. Thank you for listening. Annika will be back tomorrow. And look, if you have yet to become a KPBS member, I want you to take a second to really, 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 for realsies, consider doing it today. Okay, there's your second. Now go ahead and head over to kbbs.org, click on the blue Give Now button at the top right corner of your screen, and boom, you just joined the fam. Thanks in advance. 